0: Hey everybody, it's Easter Sunday, and no matter what happens, He is risen, and He's risen indeed. That's something that that no quarantine can change, no anxiety, no stress, uh, no death, no valley can change, that Jesus Christ is risen, He is King, and His kingdom is on the move. And I think it's important to remember that especially things that are on the world stage, that God is in them, that he's got a purpose. There's plenty of times we get to see uh, from heaven's perspective in the Old Testament and a, a plague will come through and people will be taken and it's God's punishment. And uh, I just was talking with someone and I don't know how true it is or not, but um, we've built a, a, a new Tower of Babel. We've united the whole world the world is one economy, one culture in many ways through social media um, and travel and flight. And we're just mixing so much that you get all the benefits of a one world economy and a one world society. You, get, you also share in the diseases and the plagues. And uh, there's not this buffer that we have to protect ourselves uh, from things like the coronavirus anymore and so just like the Tower of Babel we will fall and eventually this world will fall and it's just a good reminder a good wake-up call to draw us to things that really matter Um, also just keep in your prayers the serious uptick in just domestic violence and, and abuse at the home and there are benefits to being home so much there's maybe for the first time in a long time Americans are being forced to eat together again and to work through problems and there are also some downsides if it's a if it's a mess and it's never been dealt with and it just causes so much pain to be jammed together in one house, it has to be addressed and maybe um, the good side of it is that people are stop uh, stopping living this lie that's been covered up by go, go, go and fast pace and and realize I haven't loved my wife like I should or I haven't been with my kids like I should. There are a lot of things that this has forced us to wake up and smell the roses with. And uh, just like in winter, all things are dying. And and, then during this time of virus, there's a lot of people who are dying. We're losing a lot of people. Um, But after the winter comes new life. After the valley comes a mountaintop and just pray that we as a nation as a community as a church um will get through this and be better for it and lord willing people will be turned to christ turn to thinking of eternal things of of what happens after we die and we have more people at church that have never been uh and and people get saved that's that's really my prayer during this whole thing uh, we're gonna focus today that Jesus is alive. He's active. He's living. He has a real body. And hallelujah. It's important too to understand that he is not a, a spiritual concept. He is a real physical God that made a real physical way for us to live forever in real bodies. In bodies that can eat food. The bodies can, that can touch people. That can laugh and experience the same joy joy. And those little glimpses of perfect peace in heaven that we get sometimes on this earth. And there's a fear that we're just going to be floating as spirits playing harps and reading the Bible up on clouds when we get to heaven. But from what we see from Moses and Elijah uh, and Jesus' resurrected body after the disciples see him, we get to be more physical. Those pure and good and wonderful things that we experience even now in this fallen world will be better and pure and more wonderful. So the first one, Jesus is not a concept. He's a real physical God. The second one, that Jesus loves his people and he delights in them and he's excited to see us. And then last, Jesus wants us to join him in loving others and inviting them to repent and believe that he loves them enough to die for them and he broke the power of death. And we read in the New Testament, looking back on the Old, that before this moment, Satan had the power of death. Death reigned. I'm not sure what that means because we don't get a lot of insight from the Old Testament into what happened when they died. Um, it could be that there's waiting place in Abraham's bosom and there's a, a good side of it and a bad side of it if, if you we're against God you go to the bad side if you're with God you go to Abraham's side and you wait for Jesus to come and possibly it's during those days those that time when he wasn't with the disciples after his resurrection maybe he went and set the captives free in this spiritual realm that we don't hear much about Um, but we do know that what we have now is a time that never existed a humanity that never existed before the resurrection of Jesus. He broke the gates of hell, the power of death, and now we get to walk and look forward and remember that we are experiencing immortality right now, that the pendulum is swung, that the kingdom of heaven is advancing, and it's hard to see sometimes, especially when we're stuck at home, but you can advance it through prayer. You can advance it by honoring Jesus more today than you did yesterday. By getting rid of a a habit that has become an addiction or a destructive thing in your life today when you didn't do it yesterday. Or becoming a little better at moving it out of your life. And, And really, the only way we can do that is to ask God for it. For the strength for this day. So let's jump in to John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And that's just a beautiful reality. We can't take it at anything less than face value. There's a home for you in heaven. Where he goes, we get to go with him. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's like he is the door for heaven. He even calls himself the door in one of his parables that heaven and earth exist alongside each other, but there's no way for an earthling to go into the alien country of heaven except for through Christ, except for... That blood that covers us, that washes us clean, and prepares us, or prepares these souls to be able to step and walk and become a citizen and a child of heaven. I, I think it's funny that, again, it's Thomas. Lord, we don't actually know the way. He's the same one who said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And he's the same one who doubts after Jesus' resurrection. Matthew 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the to see the tomb. And how would you like to be called, yeah, the other Mary? And I'm sure everyone knew who John was talking about, but still. And so here they are. I would guess uh, their only expectation is they, they get to weep at the tomb and... Maybe they brought some, some, some flowers to pretty it up and, and just really they're, they're braving possible persecution. These followers of Jesus, the one who was crucified, the one that turned Jerusalem upside down. And you look at these women and the men are hiding. They're afraid. They're confused. The shepherd was struck and his sheep scattered. And here these two women, these two Marys, are willing to go to the tomb no matter what. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. And I just like that picture. Um, He's just waiting. He's been ready for this. He's waiting for the followers of his God, of his Lord, to find him. He rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And here's an example of a being from heaven coming to earth. And like every other moment in God's word, it's almost too much. And for these guards, for, for these guards who are part of the, the praetorium, the group that crucified the Lord, it was too much. They shook for fear of him, became like dead men. He put them in a coma. They passed out. Who knows? But heaven is more physical than earth. It's important to remember that God is spiritual, but he also made this physical thing that we're in, this physical earth that we walk around. All the stars in heaven. In verse 11, Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And again, they are shocking in their evil. They're just told by eyewitnesses that this crazy-looking man rolled the stone away and he was so scary that we all passed out. And we don't know where the body is, we just took off. So they just say, instead of thinking, whoa, this might be a God thing. This might be the real deal. They lie. And they say, if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. What a sad thing. What if the Pharisees would have heard this and been shaken to their core and realized that they killed the Messiah. He's risen from the dead and repented. What would have happened to Israel? But there's a reason Jesus gives the prophecy even as he's taking the cross and he sees the women and says, run to the desert on that day of judgment because you missed it. Your Lord was among you on the day of his mercy. And the reason Jerusalem is taken out some 40 years later is because of men like this who saw good and called it evil, who saw the Holy Spirit and called it the devil. John 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb so they both ran together and the other disciple outran peter and came to the tomb first and he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying there yet he did not go in there's fear there's awe there's wonder is is this real or did they take my lord are they that disgusting that they would desecrate his body even after he died and John hesitates there at the tomb and to no surprise Peter rushes right in then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his neck not lying with the linen cloths but folded together in a place by itself if you're going to take one principle away from this, it's that even Jesus makes his bed. It's a good lesson for me to hear. Um, no, if you're going to take one principle away from this, you get to see that that Peter is the same Peter. He he didn't lose that boldness, and there's just that spark that this might be just like he told us. And imagine the regret mixed with guilt, mixed with hope in Peter's heart as he rushes into the tomb and sees something strange there and remembers the words of Jesus that I will be raised again in three days. And it must have just been a confusing time, but think about those times. Even as a Christian, we've, we really fail. We really mess it up. We, like Peter, have told God, I'm going to love you. I'm going to honor you. I'm never going to deny, deny you. And then three, 3,000 3 million times in our life, we're going to take our eyes off of him. We're going to do exactly what we said we wouldn't do, and we can sympathize with Peter in this moment of guilt and fear and doubt and hope and knowledge that, I hope you still love me, God, and we can ask him and get in his word, and he will remind you again and again, I love you. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. I think they just thought it was strange. They may have remembered that he told them he was coming back. He, you know, We can read it, and it seems pretty obvious. But uh, we have 2,000 years of of knowledge and the Holy Spirit in our hearts and Scripture explained. And to them, they just didn't know. And so when it says he saw and believed, your first thought is believed he was risen from the dead. But the next verse, for as yet they did not know the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. And so they go to their own homes, confused and afraid and probably outraged, thinking that someone stole the body of their messiah of their rabbi of their teacher probably a lot of doubts how could he be the messiah if he's dead but mary stood outside by the tomb weeping and as she wept she stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of jesus had lain then they said to her woman why are you weeping And one of the greatest proofs that the Bible is true and accurate and not this made up conspiracy is because you would not write in the time that John wrote, you're trying to get people to believe in this thing, you would not use women as witnesses. It's a sexist thing, but that was the world they lived in. Women's word did not count in court. They could not testify. They had to have a man testify for them. And so here John is saying it was Mary who saw these angels. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And they know why she's weeping. She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And this just shows you Mary's heart. It's a beautiful thing. She is faced with two angels asking her, Why are you weeping? It's an empty tomb. And all she cares about is, where is my Jesus? Where is my Lord? Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to the woman, just like the angels, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? He knows, and he still asks. And I just... I don't know if he was playing a joke on her, if he was just so excited he wanted to see. Do you recognize me and freak her out a little bit and have that moment of recognition? And here it comes. She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. She's saying this to Jesus. It's just a a fun moment. Also a reminder that he looks human, that he is the firstborn, the first citizen of heaven, the first real Christian. Christian just means little Christ. He is Christ. The first human back from the dead, ready to walk in the fields of heaven. And she thought he was a gardener. He must have looked a little like himself, his earthly self, but not quite. And it just gives me joy and hope and to think that we will have a bodily resurrection. That's the hope. It's not some ephemeral, spiritual, floaty thing out there. I want to walk with my hands and my feet and climb trees and jump off waterfalls and have adventures in heaven, a bodily resurrection. To eat the food at that great feast after we worship the Lamb. And remember when Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. After she, she says, tell me where they have taken him, Jesus said to her, Mary. There's an exclamation point, Mary. She turned, and, she turned and said to him, Rabbani, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And this is such an invitation If you don't know Jesus, you have a Savior who wants to be with you, who wants not just a servant, but a brother or a sister, wants a family member to my father and your father. And there's this mystery why he says, do not cling to me. I have not yet ascended to my father. And we don't know quite what that means. He still had some work to do. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. I'd be wondering if I was the disciples, well, why why not me? Did they kind of believe her? Did they believe her the whole way? Was there even more? If you're Peter, you you get to hear, you were there at the tomb, you left, and now Mary was spoken to by Jesus. Well, I'm Peter, I'm the rock. Why not me? And that guilt and that doubt and that fear mixed with hope, must have just been an awful place to exist. And we've all been in those times where it's just hard to exist. It's important to remember that myriads of humanity has walked those same valleys as you. And they've already come out on the other side. They've walked where we walk, and thank God we will be where they are now. Then, the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them peace be with you when he had said this he showed them his hands and his side then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord they were joyful it it must have been too much But we have a a Savior who's not going to keep them waiting that long he went to them and if you are just in a place where you don't feel God near you, ask for him to show up, to appear, to guide you. Ask for his presence in your life and seek it. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when, they, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And there's some mystery as to this. Is 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 if is this just to the disciples? They have this special ability because the breath of Jesus was given to them, or is this to all Christians? Um, we have the time, the day of Pentecost, where the church, more, more universal, received the Holy Spirit. But here we have an, a time where they received the Holy Spirit, and the same breath that breathed life into Adam, the unveiled, risen Lord Jesus Christ breathes on them and gives his spirit, restores that lost connection of Adam and Eve. This is the son of Eve who would crush the head of the serpent. His role has been accomplished, and now he is glorified. And here he is, the breath of God on those that he loves shortly after Thomas hears about this he wasn't there and he's the same doubter the same skeptic and he says unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side I will not believe and you can hear some there's some times when you're coming out of a bad situation and we'll all be there. We've been there. Um, Maybe you're there right now. You're afraid to hope just kind of in this quarantine time. You're afraid to hope that maybe, maybe by the beginning of May we'll get out, but then you wonder, is it going to be longer? And here Thomas is, maybe he's risen. I want that with my entire being, but what if he's not? I can't stand to be crushed again. There's no way I can handle that unless I touch him. And what we get to see here is that God saves skeptics. I've got some friends that are just eternal, seems like hopefully not eternal, uh, skeptics of God and all spiritual things. And yet Thomas was no different. Sometimes they're the most genuine people when they finally come to salvation because they were afraid to hope and they went a little closer and a little closer and God will not reject them in their slowness. In verse 26, And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace to you. I wonder if he just surprised them. Peace to you. And they all turn around, and how did he get, what's going on? And and then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands. And reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. That's the desire of our Savior. Do not be unbelieving. Believe. And here we have this picture, this reality, the Lamb of God among them standing as if slain. The holes were still in his hands and his side was still pierced. And the word into really means he opened his robe a little and let Thomas reach into his side. That must have been a strange thing. And Thomas answered and said to him, "My Lord and my God." Jesus said to him, "Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed." And it makes me wonder, would Thomas have been saved had he lived at any other time, when he didn't get to see Jesus face to face and touch him and remove those doubts? But here we have this great reality that Jesus loves so much that you believe without having seen, that you have faith. And you can have faith as tiny as a mustard seed or as large as a walnut, but it still saves. It's not the measure of faith. It's the belief in God, that, that faith that sometimes we can only just barely cling to, but we are in his hand. We are safe. We are saved. You may be a Thomas. You may be a Mary Magdalene. It's just read, just tell me where he is. I don't care. I know your angels, that's great. But I need to see my Savior. But nevertheless, we have not seen, we have believed, we are safe in his hands. And so the disciples go to Galilee, Galilee to wait for Jesus as he told them to do. And they're waiting around and they're waiting around and they're on their kind of home turf. They're by the Sea of Galilee. In John 21, verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. He's probably just one of those choleric people that just need to be active, need to be working, need to do something with their hands. They can't just sit and wait. They said to him, well, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. When the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus must have enjoyed this. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net out on the right side of the boat. And right now the hair must be standing in the back of their neck, remembering that that first time that Jesus did this to them, kind of played this wonderful holy trick and Remember the first time when Peter, when this happens to Peter and he sees that Jesus is something different and special. He falls down to his knees and he says, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Now let's see his response this time. So they cast, and now they were able, not able to draw the net in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. So it's not like uh, our culture. You wouldn't take your shirt off so it doesn't get wet and jump into the sea because of the dignity of, of that culture. He put his shirt on and then jumped into the ocean. What a different response. And I pray for you that if you've failed over and over at sharing Christ, at doing what you know you should, and you've, sh- you've shirked back and said, I, can't, I don't have a ministry, I'm sinful, I'm not there yet, God can't use me, that at one moment you would see Christ in an opportunity, in a circumstance, and like Peter, in this great second chance, he jumps right in. But the other disciples came into the little boat, came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. They weren't far from the land, Peter couldn't wait. He just jumps right in. And now we have them sitting around a fire, uh, eating the, some of the catch from their great hall. And it's just a cool thing that, you know, if you ever sit around a campfire, there's something special you share with everybody watching the fire and talking about things. And we have a Messiah who knows what that feels like. We have a God who sat around a campfire with people he loved. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And right here, all the doubt and anxiety and fear and joy and hope, all these things had just been crashing around Peter's heart are being brought. Here he is. This is exactly my worst nightmare. My God doubts me. He knows I betrayed him. Not betrayed him. He knows I denied him three times. He told me it would happen, but still, how can he love me after this? And that's not the question that Jesus asks. He asks, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And the first two times he asks, he uses the word agape as you would to a Lord or a rabbi. And that means I love, wish well to, take pleasure in, long for. It denotes that love of reason and esteem. that's unconditional, that absolute universal love. And the third time he uses the word of phileo. It's, am I your Lord? Am I your teacher? And lastly, am I your friend? Family you're born with, friends you can choose. Um, it's even better if you're friends with family. And here Jesus is saying to his brother, I know you love me, but do you like me? Am I your friend? And here we have a, a reality that your God wants more than lordship, wants more than be, to be your master. He wants to be your friend. Do you love me more than anyone, he says. Do you decide in your heart to love me? Do you love me like a friend? In verse 18, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walk where you wished. But when you were old, you were stretch out your hands. And another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. And I love that. What did he say to Peter right away? Cast down your nets and follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And we have a renewed and restored Peter, the rock, ready to go and, and lead this first tiny little church and you have those moments in life where you need that sweet restoration it may come through you confessing to another person or or just in that sweet time of prayer to god it may come with an opportunity where you finally have success and you feel renewed and restored or you get to church and the worship just hits you and you you have that moment of renewal but we have a god who wants to bring that to you and so why don't we experience it sometimes we're afraid to we're like peter the first time saying depart from me i'm a sinful person and you have every moment as you're listening to this today tomorrow the next day to jump right in and seize that next opportunity because god wants to help you feel his presence to help you feel restored and renewed and sanctified and he said to him follow me John 21, verse 25. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which, if they were written one by one, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. And in Matthew 28, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We have a Savior who is resurrected, who is anointed, who is your Lord, your teacher, your friend, and He has all authority in heaven and earth. We've won. We need to wake up each day knowing that we live in victory. Not defeat, no matter what you did last night or you've thought last week, and he he deeply cares about those things. There's sins that we've we've committed, but they're paid for, they're bought. We need only to repent to be restored. Now let's remember this week and, and not let that Easter joy fade because of the circumstances that we're in, that he is alive. He is risen. He's risen indeed. And may you never live as if he were dead and powerless. May you never forget that when Jesus says, my peace I give to you, he means it. Take it for exactly what it says. You have a Savior who will give you peace. Ask for it and you will receive it. Let's pray. Father, this Easter season is a strange one, uh, but this world has experienced strange times and stranger ones. There's been warlords who have wiped out entire populations. Lord, this is nothing that is not common to man. Things like this have happened before and they'll happen again until the end. But Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you, to remember that you are risen Your blood covers us. Your grace is still there for us. It's still there for those that we love who don't know you, Jesus. Um, But right now, help us to just celebrate you. We love you. We lift you up. We glorify you. Help us to worship you this week. We're so glad that death could not hold you. We're so glad that the veil between heaven and earth was torn, and we now get to live with you, to walk with you. And I just thank you, Jesus, that you want to be my friend. In your holy, risen name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.